0: Hello everyone. Welcome back to Therapeutic Counseling. This is Carolyn Smith-Mormon and I'm an LPC here in the Dallas, Texas area. And I'm glad to have you listening again. I haven't made a podcast in uh, a little over a month and um, I'm used to making a podcast, you know, once a week at least. I've been quiet. I've been thinking. It's been a lot to to think about these last two weeks. I've been exercising a whole lot. Um, I find that when I get in a certain mood, uh, you know, a little down and out, that uh, I tend to up my exercise game. And so while I've been out and about walking uh, all around my neighborhood, I've been listening on Audible to um, Alicia Keys, her memoir called More Myself. It's a great, it's a great book. She's done a fantastic job. She reads it herself. Um, In one of her latter chapters, she points out a question that has just been sticking with me. She likes to ask people this question. She asks herself this all the time. Why am I here? Why are you here? What's our purpose in this life? What are we supposed to be doing? And this question has been in my head a lot over the last few weeks with um, the protests sprouting up all around our nation. I ask myself constantly, why am I here? And what can I do to internally check my own privilege? What is my purpose as a counselor during this time i think my very best gift is to listen and to try and internalize the stress and upset that this time has brought to so many of us back when i was a teacher i purposely placed myself with children in situations where i thought i could have the greatest positive impact and i felt that that positive impact could be given to children in need, especially children being brought up in poverty. That's where I found myself teaching and that's where I loved it best. Now as a counselor, I welcome all my clients to discuss what is the impact of them brutally seeing on their TVs and in videos and on Facebook and on Instagram and all over the news. The protests and the brutality and the protests to stop racism and how it's affected them. So many of my clients have given me their truths. It's been a beautiful truth for me to bear witness to and to take in. I've been thinking a lot about the question of what is my purpose as a counselor, as a person, with the protest against racism and the deaths from police brutality and questions about white privilege and race. So one of the things I tend to do when I don't know what my answer is, I tend to read and study. That's just part of my nature. I was listening to a program, um, just a snippet of it on YouTube, that CBS had done on their uh, station and it was about race and justice and privilege in America. And they started off by showing a, a CBS News poll and it showed Americans views on racial discrimination, that, they, that these uh, views are shifting with 52% of all respondents saying that they did believe that white people have a better chance of getting ahead in today's society compared to black people. And that's up for, uh, 13 percentage points from 2015. Also on this, uh, this YouTube, this little snippet I saw of the program, they were interviewing Robin D'Angelo. She's a so- sociologist and an author of a, a really good book called White Fragility, Why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Racism. And also on there was CBS News contributor Ibram X. Kendi and he is the author of How to Be an Anti-Racist. And one of the big questions they ask on this show is, what is white privilege, and why do some white people have such a hard time seeing it? D'Angelo answered this way. She said, White privilege is the automatic, taken-for-granted advantage bestowed upon white people as a result of living in a society based on the premise of white as the human ideal, and that from its founding established a white advantage as a matter of our law in this country, and today as a matter of policy and practice. D'Angelo also said, it doesn't matter if you agree with this, or if you want this to be your truth, or even if you're aware of it, it just happens to be there 24-7, 365. Another big question they ask was, what about those white people who say, well, hey, I struggled too. You know, I came up the hard way too. D'Angelo says to them, I'm really clear that I'm not saying that white people haven't struggled or faced barriers or worked hard. But there's a major barrier in this society, Racism that we don't struggle with, and not struggling against that barrier actually helps us navigate the barriers that we do have to struggle with, D'Angelo says. If you were a white person and you grew up in poverty, how has being white shaped how you experience poverty and how you get out of poverty, and if you even get out of poverty? Again, it's not saying that white Americans don't work hard. But it's a bit like being a fish in a current that impacts the outcome of that work. There's a kind of moving along that amplifies that work. And for people of color, for black people in particular, you're swimming against the current. And we're both working hard. We're both swimming. But there's such a different impact on the outcome of that effort, says DeAngela. Okay, this podcast is... All about mental health issues. So you might ask, um, what does racism in America have to do with mental health issues? I'm glad you asked. Here's just a tiny bit of the research that's out there, and there is so much research. Experiences of racism have significant negative effects on both physical health and mental health outcomes for black Americans. Also, in my research, I found the anxiety, anger, sadness, and and all that arises is an understandable reaction during and in the wake of these painful experiences of racism. My research also shows there are three specific ways that we think experiences of racism negatively impact stress and anxiety for Black Americans. There's one, a perception of a lack of control. Two, the internalization of the racism. And three, an avoidance of a valued action. And also what I found is when we experience emotional reactions in the face of racism, we can deliberately practice being compassionate with ourselves and recognizing that anxiety, anger, sadness, depression, these are all understandable and normal reactions during and in the wake of the painful experience of either covert racism or overt racism. You see racism is a serious and prevalent issue in the United States and there is a link between racism and anxiety and stress and other mental health and physical health problems. We've had numerous studies that have, stu- that have documented the long-lasting negative impact of racism on mental health. People of color are much more likely to develop anxiety or depression or PTSD symptoms and trauma. And this in turn is linked to poor self-esteem and higher levels of psychological distress. A recent national poll and survey Uh, has indicated that the overwhelming majority of Black Americans believe that the Black experience racism in the United States at 88% level. That uh, characterized racism as a very serious or serious issue, 87% of Black Americans say that. Or see racism as being widespread in the U.S., 78% said that. So that leads us back to what is our purpose during this time? What can we do? How about if we take part in some form or fashion in nonviolent protest for those that have been marginalized and haven't been hurt adequately? There's a start. But maybe you're of an age where you're afraid of the protest because COVID is still out there. That's that's cool. Then talk to people. Try something that we use here in the mental health world called active listening. And talk to somebody of color and ask them, would you be willing to tell me what are some of your experiences? I want to understand better. And really listen. Active listening is like this. You don't cut them off. You don't interrupt them, you quiet your own mind. You don't even create a response in your head while you're listening. And then when it gets quiet and you feel like they've said what they needed to say, repeat back so they can validate that you really heard what they had to say. You don't have to be in love with what the other person is saying. It might even sting a little bit, but it is important to listen and validate That somebody has been heard. I like this quote a whole lot. It's by Angela Davis. In a racist society, it's not enough to be a non-racist. We must be an anti-racist. So, back to that question again. What is my purpose? Why am I here? How can I use this podcast to grapple with mental health questions and other big questions like racism and privilege in our society. I believe that every voice deserves to be heard and to be respected. So maybe at the very least, I'll do what most counselors do pretty well. I'll practice active listening. I hope you will too. Again, thank you for listening. I hope you'll share the podcast with someone. Um, I hope you'll continue to listen. I'd love some feedback if you want to give me some. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Until the next time.